we're actually experiencing kingdom life on earth as it is in heaven. And when we can do that, the world will see that. We'll be an advertisement for the kingdom. They'll want what we have, and that's how we expand the kingdom on this planet. Not necessarily by preaching at people or our, our church services even, but by living the gospel, living the kingdom. That's how we change everything. But we have to get to a point where we admit to ourselves that things need to change. Maybe I'm, yes, I'm checking all the boxes. I'm living the American dream. I'm doing everything they're saying, and I'm still not happy. So this morning, we're going to talk about that. Lately, we've been talking about vision and how important it is to have a vision for your future. It says in Proverbs uh, 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. We have to know where we're going. If I walked around this room right now, I won't, so don't get nervous, but if I just went to each individual person and I said, where do you see yourself in five years? I mean, if, how many of us can say, oh, right here, and just answer it immediately, or do we have to think about it, or I don't know, I don't know. We need to have a vision for the future. If we don't, where our lives are, are just gonna by, they're gonna default to the point of least resistance. And we're never really going to find fulfillment. We're never going to find happiness. We have to break free from the script of society and write our own script. I've been using this verse a lot lately, but Romans 12, 2 in the message translation, the Apostle Paul says, don't become so well-adjusted well to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. we got to think about where we're going. We have to think about what we think about. Think about what we believe, what we, think, what, what we think life is supposed to be like, who we think God is, and how we see ourselves. Do we see ourselves as people who are, that, that possess this power, the power that raised Christ from the dead, the power to change our circumstances? Or do we see ourselves as weak? Or do we see ourselves as people that just were given a, a crummy hand? And we got to see ourselves as children of God. We just sang about how we are, are adopted as children. Man, my children have every, everything that's mine is my children's. We have to see ourselves that way. And then we, when we realize that I have more power on the inside of me than I ever realized, why am I not using it? Why am I settling for a life like everybody else? And so you might have on the outside seem like, it might seem like you have it all together. You have the money. You have the cars. You have, it seems like you have the perfect life. But only you, you and God, know the truth. You know what's on the inside of you. Are you truly happy? Because that's where kingdom life starts. Are you happy? It's that simple. Are you happy? More often than not, people aren't truly happy if, they've, if they're honest with themselves. They're working at jobs they hate to make to pay for things that they don't need, to impress people they don't like. I don't want a job for a paycheck. Pursue the thing that you're passionate about, not the thing that pays well. Mm. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Eternal life is knowing God. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You'll be changed from the inside out. We are an outside-in society. If I get this job, then I'll be happy. If I have this amount of money, then I'll be happy. If I, if I buy this stuff, then I'll be happy. But what if, what if by all these outside possessions, outside 
things, uh, that's actually keeping us from happiness. And we're just burying ourselves with a bunch of stuff, with a life that we don't even want. And as, as the longer we live this way, the harder it is to get out of it. We need to get to a point where we say, I'm done. I'm done with this. We've got to break free from the norm. Be a peculiar people. Unique. I don't want to live like everybody else. I'm not like everybody else. Some of y'all are like, amen. No, but you're not like everybody else either. And you should live the life that, you, that sets you apart. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I, you drive around or you look around. I've been to my kids' baseball games or, or you go to certain stores or, or whatever, and you just kind of look around. You look at the men. They're all dressed the same way. They all look the same way. Their bodies are even built the same way because they all eat the same way. Then you look at the women, same thing. We all, everything's the same. And it's okay to have a style. It's okay to be cool. I'm, you know, it is what it is. But I, I like this. I'm not fitting the norms of society. I'm not dressing a certain way to be who I think I'm supposed to be, become. And if you like it, do it. But sometimes our decisions are made to fit in. It's our, we make our decisions based on the complete, completely wrong things. We were just talking about this over here. This wasn't in my notes um, this morning, but talking about breaking free from the norm. In Matthew 7, it talks about the narrow way. In, in Matthew 7, 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. For there are many who go in by it, because narrow gate, narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Typically, this passage is saying, you know, many, many people are on their way to hell. Almost everybody's going to hell. It's horrible. But just a few people, just us holy church people are going to make it. But if you back up just a little bit with this, it says in verse 7, starting in verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks will be opened. And it goes on. It's just saying, live a life of purpose. He doesn't say, live a life of purpose, ask, seek, knock. Most people are going to hell. Ask, seek. There's this back and forth thing. He's saying very few people break free from the norms of society. Most people are living a life of destruction. They're following the things they think are going to make them happy because that's easier. It takes no effort to do it this way. So let's, as believers, knowing, knowing and having an intimate relationship with God the Father, let's do something that's different. Let's do something that so few people are willing to do because of fear, they're afraid of what people might think, they're, they're afraid of failure. No, let's, let's break free from that. Let's, I want to choose the narrow road. I want to choose the life that is meant for me, not the life that's chosen for you. That life's for you, not for me. I'm not going to work at a job that I hate to impress people that I don't like. I'm just not going to live that way. I see it more often than not. Am I sounding okay this morning? Am I sounding mean? Hey, guys. Wake up, people. No, uh, I, I want, know how, okay. I'll stick with my notes, all right, because it'll come out mean if I don't. I should have a script at the, or what are the teleprompter? Just stick with that. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, you'll go to the point of least resistance. Where there's no vision, you'll just do whatever society tells you. 
you got to have a vision. In other words, if you can't see where you're going, you're going to get lost. If the American dream really made us happy, why are so many people depressed? Why is anxiety going up in this, this society? We don't have a vision, and we're being destroyed because of it. I read this somewhere. <laughs> working, only working steals your life, but working toward a goal makes you come alive. You ever, you ever uh, just do, whenever you're, you finally wake up or you say, you know, I don't like what I've been doing. Maybe it's not big picture. Maybe it's little picture. Maybe it's, it's, it's diet, nutrition. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm going to, for, for 90 days, I'm going to work out and I'm going to eat right. I'm doing P90X. And, and, and you feel really good. And suddenly it's like, oh, man, I'm driven. But then day 91 happens. It's like you just start to go back to the other way because we put an end date on it. And the vision, we don't have something to shoot for anymore. But if we always maintain something, we always have that vision, we're always looking towards something, we're always going to stay, we're going to be determined to reach those things. We're going to stay going down, we're going to keep going down that narrow path. We've been looking, or we've been talking a lot about the importance of having a vision and breaking free of what society tells you will make you happy. And today I want to talk about why to have a vision and then four words that will move you forward. I didn't make that up, but it's really good. Four words that will move, move you forward. Why have a vision? Why do we even have a vision? Is it to get more stuff? Is it to have a bigger house or a bigger car or a better job or, or any of those things? Those things are not unimportant, but I don't think those are good goals to have. That's not the vision that we should have. I think those things are a result of a vision. But that's, that's, there's something bigger than that. There's fulfillment to look forward to and happiness in joy to look forward to. The purpose of a vision is to grow. The purpose of a vision is to grow. That's what we're created for. In the beginning, God said, be fruitful and multiply. I know back then he's saying, fill the earth, subdue it. But the principle is the same for us today. Be fruitful and multiply. The only way you can be fruitful is if you're rooted and grounded in the love of God, you're rooted and grounded in your identity in Christ, which is connected to the love of God, understanding that you're not trying to become righteous. You already are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not trying to become holy and blameless in the sight of God. You already are. You're not trying to become blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. You already are. You're not trying to attain everything you need for life and godliness. You already have it. You're not trying to become somebody new. You're trying to discover who you already are. And when you do that, you'll start to step into life and life more abundantly. John 10.10. John 10.10. It's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so we may have life and have it more abundantly. Are we truly living in an abundant life? Not in material possessions, but are we really happy? Are we, are we living a life? Will you put the message translation up there, please? Are we truly living a life that's greater than we ever dreamed of? Wow, that's weird. Next slide. 
Sometimes the message translation combines a bunch of verses. A thief is only there to steal and to kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Is your life today, are you living a life greater than you ever dreamed of? It's okay if you're not. Just admit it. Say, you know what? No. I've set my, my vision's too small. Admit that, but we'll get there in a second. I love this quote. It's by Steve Bowe. God's gift to us is more power and talent than we'll ever hope to use in our lifetime. Our gift to God is to develop as much of that talent and ability as we can in our lifetime. You should take a picture of that and hang it on every mirror and every, everywhere in your house. You have everything you need to pursue the life that you want to live. And by not using it, we're not honoring God. It's not about sin. It's not about you're your smoking and chewing and all the, the bad stuff that you're doing. That rhymed too. Wow, that was an accident. Uh, it's about not using what you've been given. I think that's what grieves the Holy Spirit. Not your sin, not your little potty mouth, but you're perishing for a lack of knowledge, not tapping into the life that he's provided for you. God's gift to us is more power and talent than we'll ever hope to use. I read it wrong on my notes here. More talent and ability than you will ever use in one lifetime. Your gift to God is develop and utilize as much of that talent as you can. God put this innate desire in us to keep dreaming, to keep moving forward, to be fruitful and multiply. I've heard people say, I just want a life of, I just want to be comfortable. I want to pay off my debt. I want to pay off my house. And I just want, I want to make just enough money to get by. And that sounds great. And I just want, to, just want to move off by myself and just live this comfortable life. But that's not what we're created for. And when it, whenever people do that, oftentimes this un, they're, they're unfulfilled. And this dream that they've had their whole life to live this comfortable life ends up hurting them. Because we're not meant to live comfortable lives. We're meant to be fruitful and multiply. So it's good to have those goals. Get out of debt. Pay everything off. But then what? We never get to a point where we just, I made it. I've met the goal, and then I just, I just keep, that's it. That's my whole life. No, we're meant, we're created for more. We're created to, to expand the kingdom, and the only way we do that is if we continue to grow. There's two things, and I've mentioned this over the last few weeks. This is kind of a summary of everything that we've been talking about lately, but, but two areas that cause depression and anxiety in just about everyone. It's a lack of purpose and a lack of community. A lack of purpose and a lack of community. If you can hit those two areas of your life, you will, that's the remedy for depression and anxiety. If you, could, you just peel the layers back, you think of times that you've been anxious, think, think of times you've been depressed, the root cause is purpose and community. That's what we're created for. That's why we do church. You don't come to church because you're trying to convince God to, to bless you or you're marking all your little church boxes off. We're created for this. But many of us, what we do is we, we've built a life that's so stressful and we have to maintain this stressful life that we neglect the things that we should be doing. 
not in works, not, not legalism, not earning anything, but in wisdom. I'm so exhausted because of my job that I can't surround myself with people that will actually help me and I can help them. I'm so stressed out that I just want to sleep in one day. Obviously, I'm not talking to y'all this morning, but this is just the, the principle behind it. It's like if, if we could just wake up and say, maybe we have it backwards. Again, it's not about the church, but it is about the community. It is about the relationship. We're not meant to live life alone. Purpose and community. Four words to move you forward. I finally made it. They all start with D, so it's easy to remember. Decide. Decide a change is needed. Delight yourself in the Lord. Dream big and do whatever it takes. So let me go back through these. Decide a change is needed. The first step to recovery is to admit you have a problem, right? Decide that enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Be honest with yourself and say, maybe I'm not as happy as I'm letting on. Maybe things aren't just this peachy little thing. Maybe, I, I mean, maybe a lot of it's good, but there's certain, all of us have these certain areas of our life. We're not firing on, firing on all cylinders all the time. But if we just admit to ourselves that enough is enough, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do things a little bit different. Most people stop here or don't even get here. They won't admit to themselves, especially in the church, because we think that faith is lying about our circumstances. And if I admit that I'm, I'm really not happy, that means I'm giving into the unhappiness. If I admit that uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sick, uh, that means I'm accepting the sickness. If I admit that I'm broke, it means I'm accepting poverty. And I think this is one of the biggest lies in the church. Faith is not lying about your circumstances. Faith is not ignoring the symptoms. Faith is admitting you have a problem and deciding to do something about it, knowing that you have the power to change it. I think sometimes we want to deflect responsibility and say, well, my life is the way it is because of God. This is, this is God's plan for my life, and I'll just do whatever I can and, and struggle until we all get to heaven and what a day of rejoicing that will be no we know at grace life church that we're not looking forward to heaven someday we're looking for heaven on earth today right now anything less than that we're settling the truth is people are okay not being okay because they're, it's familiar to them. And they'd rather be not okay in this familiar life than step out and, and take a chance and risk something new. Knowing that, that there's something new and better and greater than we ever dreamed of, we're still so afraid to let go of the things that are hurting us, letting go of those strongholds. But the Lord is saying, let it go. I have something so much better for you. That paycheck you're holding on to, let it go. I have so much more for you. I talk to people who are, they've been working at jobs for 30-something years, and they're so close to retirement. I only have five more years. Five more years. Absolutely miserable. For five more years so they can get that, that pay. You're going to continue to be absolutely miserable for five more years. You're giving up five years of your life because you're going to retire someday. You don't think that if you were to let that thing go and pursue something that actually makes you happy and more fulfilled in life, that maybe God can get more to you than that, 
measly little retirement check? Like, let's, let's wake up and stop trusting in our own ability to get things done and know that we have the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead on the inside of us. We have a, a helper, a comforter that's with us every step of the way. Let's involve him in our life. Let's, I just don't understand that. You're going to allow yourself to be miserable because of a paycheck. That's our society. I got to smile every now and then. Some people are okay not being okay. It's, uh, I like in John 5, I'm not getting deep into this, but in John 5, 5, it says a, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been that, in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? It seems like, no, duh. Yeah. 38 years. Of course I want to be made well. But there's a reason why Jesus asked him. Because not everybody wants healing. Not everybody wants a way out. Because it's familiar to them. Oh, if I, if I have an infirmity for 38 years, now I'm healed. Now i got to get a job. Now i got to do something with my life. So I'd rather stay broken than step into something greater. I've known people that didn't want, I, I used to work in that pr prayer line at Andrew Walmack Ministries, and people say, well, yeah, I want to get healed. One lady specifically comes to mind. She, was, she worked at Walmart in the warehouse, and something with a forklift, I don't remember what happened, but she injured her back, and she was suing Walmart. And, and she said, I want, I want prayer for favor in this lawsuit. I said, I can do you one better. I can pray for you, and you will be healed of this back pain. You won't have to sue Walmart. And she said, <laughs> and she said, I do want my healing after the lawsuit. <laughs> but again, this is our, our society. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to change? Decide a change is needed. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37.4, I think I use this verse almost every week and probably have been for the last two years, but here we are. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. This doesn't mean he's going to give you whatever your heart desires. If you're wanting that new Ferrari, just delight yourself in the Lord, brother. No, he will put a desire in your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you a new desire. You don't know what it is. I don't, I don't have a vision. I don't know what God's created me for. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you a desire. Yes, it's that simple. Delight yourself in the Lord. All that means is come to the realization and keep, be consciously aware of this all the time that the Lord delights himself in you. That's it. That's a relationship with God. It's not memorizing a bunch of Bible. It's not going to every prayer meeting and Bible study. It's coming to a realization and keeping it at the forefront of your mind that the Lord delights in, in you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. He's given you everything you'll ever need to pursue this desire. So if you don't know, just rest. Just rest. We overcomplicate things. This relationship should just be a natural, a natural progression. Start small, and it'll grow.
decide a change is needed, delight yourself in the Lord. Dream big. Have a vision. Dream big. Ask yourself if you had no limitations, if time wasn't a problem or an issue, money wasn't an issue, would you still be living the life that you're living right now? <laughs> if not, change. Be willing to let some things go. Dream big. Oh, if your dreams don't scare you, you're not dreaming big enough. If you're not getting a little sweaty when I'm talking about this, you're not dreaming big enough. If you're not upset with me right now, you're not dreaming big enough. We, it's so heartbreaking to me that we're settling. We're not dreaming. We're working jobs for a paycheck. Because someday, when I'm 65, then I can or whatever, whatever age. When I retire, then I can really enjoy life. I'm not telling you to go quit your job tomorrow, but maybe you should work toward quitting your job tomorrow. Maybe that's your five-year plan. I'm not supposed to talk like that, am I? If you had no limitations, ask yourself, if I had no limitation, if time wasn't an issue, money wasn't an issue, would I be living the life that I'm living right now? And if not, change it. It's very simple. The concept is simple. Execution isn't quite as simple. Dream big and do whatever it takes. Be a doer of the word. If the Lord's put a dream, a vision, a desire on the inside of you, don't let anything talk you out of it. And do whatever it takes to keep your mind there. Become emotionally involved in that dream. Become emotionally involved in that desire. I, I've told you all this before, but I, I come in here just about every day, and I preach to a full room. I get real excited. So I should start recording them. They're amazing messages that I'm preaching. I'm just joking. But uh, it's, I get so emotionally involved. I'm yelling to a bunch of empty chairs because I know that the Lord has called me to something greater. And this is just the beginning. We're just five years in next week. That's nothing. What, what is, what's 10 years going to look like? What's 15 years? God's called me to something great. And I'm not settling for this. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for everything that's happened. But all of us are called to something greater than this. We're not just another church in the community. We're not just another church. There's a thousand churches within a five, five square miles around here. Do we need another one that's just, just marking church boxes? And No, we are doers of the word. We're people who dream. We're people who are pursuing something greater, and we need to get our level of expectancy up. Don't just hope for things to change. Expect things to change. Why? Because you are a child of God. You're royalty, the son and daughter of a king. Would royalty settle for the life that we're living? If not, change it. Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Amplified says, Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed, meaning you are the owner of this stuff, of the things we hope for. In Greek, that phrase, things hope for, things we hope for, means a positive expectation of eternal salvation. So hope, biblical hope, is not hoping that I get healed, hoping that I live that life that's greater than I ever dreamed of, but we are in confident expectation that it's going to happen. Why? Because the cross worked. 
Because your mistakes don't hold more power than the blood of Jesus. I really thought everyone would start shouting at that point. That's why I stopped for a second. Don't you love it when people do that? I don't. All right. Being the proof of things we don't see. There's proof. There's evidence. There's substance. This isn't a feel-good message. There's something tangible that happens whenever we start to dream, we start to dream big, when we decide that we're going to change, when we delight ourselves in the Lord and we allow our minds to go to crazy places. Substance comes from that. But we have to do whatever it takes to, to build up our expectations. Every, I, I write stuff down a hundred times a day. I am thankful. I am so happy and grateful now that I and whatever I'm believing for at that moment. And once that's done, I move on to the next thing. hundred times a day. I'm, of course, I don't have it on me, but I typically have a card in my pocket with the same thing. Why? Because it's keeping my mind there. I started the day with 50. I end the day with 50. And throughout the day, whenever I put my hand in my pocket, my mind goes back to it. It's not a, there's a power in the card, but there's power in what that card represents to me. Maybe for you, it's a, a, people at the church have, have worn bracelets. They've tied a piece of yarn around there saying, I'm believing God for this. And that thing just brings their, their thoughts right back to that, their expectancy. Get emotionally involved in this. Repeat it over and over and over. And it sounds crazy. Preaching to an empty room is crazy. Writing things a hundred times where your hand is cramping is crazy. It's illogical. But what's more illogical? Doing whatever it can, you can to keep your mind focused on the things God's placed on, on the inside of you or living a life that's substandard, that's dependent on other people and material possessions for happiness. What's, what's crazier? I don't want that life. If, if writing things down and preaching to an empty room and believing big things for our personal uh, our personal life makes me crazy, then I don't want to be sane. I'm going to do crazy things because we have a world out here that's trying to pull us away from the things that God's called us to. This isn't even a hyper-spiritual, holier-than-thou type of message because I know a lot of us, what we do, especially if we grew up in church, we connect the things of God to very spiritual things. But God wants you to live heaven on earth. Sometimes the most supernatural life that you can live involves just the, the natural things around you. In fact, I think a lot of the things that we, we, are, we consider supernatural are meant to be just our normal life. But we're so buried by society and what other people say we should be doing in the American dream that those seem out of reach. We over-spiritualize healing I, what I like to do is I, I, read, uh, I read people that don't believe anything like me, just to see their perspectives of things. People that don't even know the source of their power. I was reading a couple weeks ago, this guy, he was born without, what is it? The, uh, the thing behind your eye, that cable nerve. <laughs> he was born without it, couldn't see, out of his right eye. And he just convinced himself that he didn't have to live this way. Just the power of his, he started to learn the power of his mind. Not believe in God, just, just knowing that he's powerful. His mind is powerful. And he, he arranged his house in a way, because he had, he had moved his life, he'd shifted his life in a way where it fit that blindness. 
So he quit doing that, and he started to act and, and, and get emotionally involved in, in believing that he didn't have to live this way. And after a few months of doing this, his sight was restored in his eye. Not believe in God. And they took a MRI, I don't know what you call this stuff, but they, they, they scanned it, and that nerve still wasn't there. And so some people think, oh, he's just believing the devil. No, I don't believe he was believing the devil. I don't think this was something evil. I don't think the devil wants you healed. <laughs> I think that God's created our bodies to do some very powerful things. And we're so busy over-spiritualizing it that we're not even scratching the surface of what he actually wants for us. We've, we've over-spiritualized healing when God said, I just created your body to heal itself. I've just created you to, whenever you make up your mind to do something, it changes how you act, it changes the direction you go, and it also causes things to come, come to you. That's just how I've created the world. We're reaching for something that's supposed to be our starting place. If we just lived a life of where we don't need a, a healing, we don't need a divine breakthrough or any of this supernatural stuff, if we just, I think that, that poverty is keeping us from the dream. I think sickness and pain is keeping us from the dream. But we're stopping, we're, we're aiming our sights too low. Healing is not your summit. That's your base camp. I'm going to say it one more time. Decide a change is needed. Delight yourself in the Lord. Dream big and do whatever it takes. And you have to get to a point where you absolutely refuse to allow anything or anyone to talk you out of your God-given dream. You're created for more. You're created for more. Be honest with yourself. I'm not saying that each one of you are just miserable in life, but I do think that there's things in this message that you can apply to certain areas of your life. We're never firing on all cylinders. So I hope today you take something from this and allow your mind, your, allow your, yourself to dream because that's what God wants for you. Kingdom life on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love, the power of God that's on the inside of each and every one of us. I thank you for what you're doing in Grace Life Church. We are going somewhere. This is just the beginning. And as each one of us who are involved at this church start to wake up to what you say about us and the power that we possess and start acting on it, we start acting on it, that's when everything changes. We're willing to do whatever it takes to admit to ourselves that a change is necessary. And we can start today. It's because of you, your love, your power, your grace. That's it. It's really that simple. So, Lord, we just thank you. And we magnify you every day of this week. I'm just believing that this week we are doing whatever it takes. Everybody here doing whatever it takes to keep this at the forefront of their mind and allowing their mind to dream delighting their self, themselves in you. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.